Welcome to Santa Barbara Talks with Josh Molina. It's such a pleasure today to be here with architect Cass Ensberg. And she's somebody who I've really uh, admired and watched and observed over the years in my journalistic capacity and seen all the great things she's doing in the community. And recently, Cass has been appointed to the Historic Landmarks Commission. So that's another layer and, and level of community discussion and involvement. Cass Ensberg, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Josh. Thank you so much for having me. I'm just honored to be here with you. And uh, thank you so much for thinking of me and uh, allowing me to be here to continue these important discussions that we're having as a community now. Thank you so much. And I want to dive right in because on Friday, I covered a joint historic landmarks commission and planning commission meeting. I wrote about it for NewsHawk and you uh, were really dynamic and you had some incredible comments and you were very clear and you were really driving much of the conversation. And I thought it'd be really good to sort of talk to you more because in that format, you get a couple minutes and a couple more minutes if the chair wants. And uh, I wanted to talk to you about State Street and give you that opportunity to go into a little more detail about, about your perspective. This meeting was talking about the future of State Street, the consultant was there that the city hired to help oversee and develop the networking and communication and the State Street master plan. So like, everybody who is interested in this stuff was all in the Faulkner Gallery. Cass, let's start there. What was your take on the meeting? And what do you want people to know about where you are at right now with, with State Street and what how we should be moving forward? Well, I guess you have so much to talk about, right? I I just, uh, I guess I want to say first that, you know, we just have an incredible community. This is an amazing community. Um, you can, it, it's a beautiful community. We live in this amazing environment. We have so much talent and skill in this community. It just kind of blows me away all the time. And I, I want to, um, you know, leading up to this whole master plan thing, um, I want to remind that and, and give a shout out to my colleagues, the architects, the developers, the people who in 2020 spent a whole bunch of time doing a charrette, which really kind of set the stage and planted the seed for the idea of the master plan. And so I really want to thank them for their great effort and for all the work that they did you know, pro bono to give to the city. And we have a huge document that has many, many of these ideas that everybody is talking about. So I just want to acknowledge the community, acknowledge the um, architects and the designers. We're talking about the built environment, right? That's what architects do. And, um, and also I want to thank, you know, uh, Councilwoman Snedden. She picked up on the idea of the master plan. She ran with it. She, she championed it. And ultimately, thank you to her and to council for um, approving it. And now we have a master plan that we're moving forward with. And yesterday, or the was it Friday? Friday was this meeting between are two most important bodies that deal with the built environment. And that's Planning Commission and Historic Landmarks Commission. So I thought it was fantastic. In fact, the um, MIG, the consultant even said, you guys get, you know, gold star. You, you are reaching out to the community. Like we do a lot of this kind of work and you guys are reaching out really well. Like we don't see very much. Yeah. 
So I thought that was great. And I just want to take a moment to thank all everyone, the planners. I work with the city planners a lot. And um, I appreciate all the work that they did to make this all come together and to council and everybody. So thank you to this community. And I thought the meeting was a very good one. And I hope we, you know, they're planning to have more. And it's, I thought, I, you know, I was sort of surprised, Josh, you know, everyone there had great comments. Every single person brought something important yeah. because they each represent something, you know, a different part of the community, maybe um, different views. You know, we're all seeing different things. And we all, as I said, also, you know, everyone in that room has a different opinion. <laughs> yes. So the master planner, they are quite entertaining. Yes. yes. <laughs> So I, um, I acknowledge and very much appreciate um, uh, Commissioner Wardlow. I really do. You know, I'm so happy to see someone, a younger person. She's um, younger than, than certainly I am. And we need, we need all the generations. We need her voice. We need, uh, so I really appreciate that she is serving on Planning Commission and that she brings this voice. So it's fine with me. That's the discussion. I, the critique, it's all about the critique and it's all about the discussion and everything should be on the table. There are no stupid questions. Bring it up. You know, we don't want to, we want to have the full, the full discussion and including, you know, all these like really strange things. You know, like the, um, you know, all of the requirements, the regulatory requirements. That's why I always keep talking about the Venn diagram, because you have, you know, this this particular um, requirement and then this one and this one and this one. Where is that sweet spot in the middle where everything is met? So without these discussions. Sorry, I'm, I'm rambling. Please. No, no, that's great. Let me just sort of lay the, the quick foundation here is that we have people with lots of opinions, but there seems to be some movement now with a group of people who are saying, hey, let's go back to pre-pandemic uh, uh, situation where we had cars, we did not have outdoor dining, and let's really think about all these factors as we develop the master plan and then start again with how it should be as opposed to what we're doing now, which is, well, we have the outdoor dining, we have the street dining, and a lot of people like it. So let's figure out how to make it work from here. There's those two factions that are sort of developing. And there are people who are saying street dining is the way. We have to figure out a way to do it. Bikes are amazing downtown. There's so much activity, vibrancy. And then there's others who are like, well, actually, it looks a little shabby. And actually, it's not safe if you're not a... 20 something or 30 something biker or walker. And if you're not going to a restaurant, it's actually not the best experience. And where are our parades? So those factors are going on. So that's sort of against that backdrop. That's a lot about what this meeting is about. Cass, where are you at with this conversation? Well, I like to try to be very open-minded and I like to be flexible. So I, I believe that for this moment in time, and I'm really glad you asked that because it, you know, so to clarify, I think for this very moment in time, we need to clean up what's out there at the moment. I don't think it's as hard as everyone is feeling. I, I feel like it's a pretty simple solution. Um, 
and that we need to just clean it up on State Street to improve the aesthetics and to remove some of the um, uh, issues like with the storm management, stormwater management, um, the just a, a number of issues about equity, about ADA, about the structural. We, what we put in place was for you know a short period of time, temporary. Right. Well, two and a half years, okay? We can't do this temporary, but I do think there is a very easy solution. The question is about primarily is about the um, the traffic. If we want to keep it closed to cars right now, I don't oppose that. I, I think, OK, if we do that, but we do need to add a trolley right now. There's a huge part of the population that really can't use the street because they can't get in their car and drive their husband over to the front of the Granada and drop them off and then go around and park. The, you know, there's just not that access for the general public. Right. So you could solve that for the interim period with a trolley, I believe. Yeah. So if you say, okay, we're going to leave the cars off the street. Okay. To, for now, let's put the trolley in there. And of course, knowing we all know that the street is also used by the police, the fire, emergency vehicles, that space is always there for them. So we add the trolley, and then what do we do about the bikes and peds? Okay, they don't go together. So we say, all right, in this scenario, we keep the bikes and the trolley and the delivery vehicles and the others I mentioned in the street. The pedestrians now go on the sidewalk. The only way you can solve that. Yeah. Okay. So I think that's a good solution. It's like, okay, we'll leave the cars out of here for now, but we're going to add the trolley and we're going to keep the fire truck and the police and the, um, and the um, emergency vehicles. And also we're going to allow delivery trucks certain hours of the day to be able to go on state and drop off stuff to stores and things. Right. Okay. So that's that. Now, the dining, to be very clear, to be very, very clear, I do not oppose outdoor dining. I oppose, out, I, I support outdoor everything, everything, the most possible. I want there to be dining outside. I can't believe we haven't had it all these years. That's why I made the comment about, the, about Thanksgiving. <laughs> you know, we all want to be outside that there's no this is not part of the argument. We can put that over there. We want to have our fine China and have our outdoor Thanksgiving. Meals. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. And we want to be outside, you know, um, to either. And it shouldn't just be for, you know, it could be for just sitting down and writing in your journal or maybe you want to do a little sketch or maybe you're doing some computer work. You can just walk up to a table in the public way and you can just use it for free you don't have to go into a dining establishment to use that table so there needs to be a mix of both so that the the restaurants can have the wonderful charming outside outside dining right and I, i'll also give um, an example of like a perfect a perfect outdoor dining is the new fresco mm. over on next to the libero in the beautiful historic el centro building Yes. Okay, granted, 
that building was designed with a patio area and it has a nice little brick wall there. But all they have is just some really nice, simple, you know, um, classic furniture, metal furniture, dark metal furniture with some beautiful red striped umbrellas. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So you drive by and you're like, whoa, check it out. I mean, it draws your attention. It's clean. It's fresh. It works with the architecture. It respects the architecture. It's a win-win synergistic solution. Okay. There it is right there. Right. And it's not in the street. And it didn't cost anything, but okay. So the, so the next part is what do we do about, do we want to allow certain dining in the street and there's probably areas that we could do that and still do a without you know what i was just talking about before the um so so you either take all the dining off of the street and you put it all on the sidewalk and you put it expand it to the extent possible that you can at each situation given that you have to maintain you know, a certain distance for the, for the pedestrian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, and I will also say, we just got back from a trip to Maine and we were um, in this little old historic, gorgeous, you know, coastal town. And um, so I'm checking out, they did not have anything in the street. Mm-hmm. Everything was on the sidewalks, very classic European kind of idea. Yeah. But I did uh, check one place. It was like a little bakery. They had an awning mm-hmm. over the windows couple tables out in front and then there was still plenty of room my mom's in a wheelchair so you know we're wheeling her all around and there was plenty of room yeah and and I paced off the street it was like nine feet at that point there were other places in the town where where the sidewalk got wider and then they had uh, more dining but for but it was for the general public not dining just seating seating picnic tables things like that so yeah, I, know, um, I know when I'm down there, even though you're allowed to walk in the street, me being, you know, I grew up here in Goleta and Santa Barbara and moved all around, but I've been here most of my life. I kind of just walk on the sidewalk, even though I know I can walk in the middle of the street, because it just feels to me anyway, like, why would I be walking in the middle of the street when the sidewalks are there? And so that's sort of... um comfortable for me uh, it used to be that people would cruise on state street in their cars and that was the mm-hmm. thing and now people cruise on state street to be seen in different ways they want to be on their bikes or their skateboard or uh walking their dogs and so it's it's we've taken them out of their cars but it's still kind of a thoroughfare of cruising like look 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 at me look what i'm doing so that's that's part of it and of course we don't have a downtown waterfront shuttle anymore that mm-hmm. go up state street and, and be able to to drop people off so i don't know if that's an uh, i think that's a funding thing and mtd stopped it and you know, maybe that can be funded directly through the city or i don't know but i think that is a good a good idea Cass, let me ask you about the 500 block okay? mm. you go to the 500 block and what is your what is your impression of the 500 block, which some people say is sort of like restaurant row. But if you're looking at one block that that really spotlights all of these issues, um, the 500 block is, is that block. Well, I think the 500 block. Well, each block is unique. Each block has a character. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was talking about at the meeting the other day. 
on Friday was saying yeah. in, in my mind of as it's kind of rolled around, you know, I mentioned the idea of like keeping from Cabrillo through the 500 block is sort of kind of tourist central and, yeah. you know, um, and plus like the work that's going to happen on the underpass and, you know, start to kind of develop that. And maybe that's the promenade part. And then the middle section is more quiet still with some really cool little places, but, you know, quieter by nature. So I think that we can work with each block and make it each one really cool. In fact, back in 2020, when, when AIA, when we did our little parklet suggestion uh, guidelines, um, we even, even said, you know, that like encourage the neighbors to work together to come up with something that is really cool for that area district, which like the 500 block is, I, I don't think it, I think they could do a lot more. What I really like about that area is the tree canopy. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of trees that you don't even need in that area. You don't need umbrellas because you've got that tree canopy. And to me, the being outside part that's so great is being in nature, being able to see, look up, see the trees, see the sky, see the stars, whatever, you know, not being enclosed in something, the whole idea of being outside. So I think that they could do, and a lot of those restaurants have those, uh, I can't remember the names of, of it, but the have like the doors that open up. So the whole inside is outside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a couple places like that. So I think, hey, you have it already. You don't need you don't need dining. You could have a couple tables just in front, just as sort of a visual attraction. Right. Uh, and it's your graphics, your signage, you know, that really is important. Um, the umbrellas the are great. Ales, this is one of those places. Yeah, I think that's yeah. it. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, the, of course, the great benefit of the, of the market umbrella is that it brings the color. You know, it's like this really easy way to bring color in. And you know, umbrellas just in our DNA kind of say resort. So the minute you see an umbrella, you're just like kind of attracted to it, you know, because so it's a really inexpensive and powerful tool. Um, but in that area, they could they could develop it in more of a way that kind of takes advantage of that tree canopy and how it feels different in there. But I think that right now there's just like, you know, each person, it's like, I feel like they're... Um, little backyards or something with little picket fences around they just aren't taking advantage of the uh of their situation of the architecture they have there uh some of the restaurants actually do have covered open space right you know as part of there they could really trick that out through um design and make it because the whole thing you're trying to do is get people to see you they don't i don't think they're everything's just a big jumble there. I don't, I don't go there. I I don't go there. I ride my bike through because I, I am, I'm a pretty big bike rider and I do ride through there on our bike rides. I'll go through there in the morning and then back later, uh, you know, to check out stuff. It's the only way I can check stuff out without having to walk the whole thing. Now there was some discussion about, Hey, all the street furniture, all this outdoor dining is, visually taking away from our buildings and and state street obviously so many of our buildings are beautiful and if we're putting up structures in the street we're actually 
blocking and taking away from some of that natural beauty of those those restaurant buildings and the retail buildings and the office buildings you know everything that is there so that's the sort of just a visual barrier as well uh, even if you're not thinking about actually bikes and people it's it's a visual barrier i want to ask you cass um you know i'm a reporter so when i cover these meetings i really love covering meetings they can be really boring stories if you just sort of re- say this person said this and this person said this. And I have to try to sort of captivate, capture some of that that drama of the, the emotions in the meeting. And so I was sort of struck by uh, your comments and Ed Lenvik, uh, Historic Landmarks Commissioner, Ed Lenvik's comments, and, and then uh, uh, Planning Commissioner Devin Wardlow's comments. And it seemed like a generational uh, battle playing out right there and of course it's a professional setting so everyone is 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 uh being professional they're not saying you know you're old or she's too young like that's not happening but the observing part of it is that's what's happening that's what's playing out is there's it's a generational so Devin Wardlow's comments are basically saying and, and she said it this way like, like we're not going to go back we have to move forward right and, and that's a very direct reference to people sort of being stuck in time with the retail aspect. And that was right after Ed Lenvik had talked about, we need to plan for retail and we need a shoe shop and we need all of these things. And then you had talked about some of these things that we need too, just for our daily lives. And so I want to ask you about that dynamic. And, and you actually came back and said, Hey, we can't just look at this as, as how we experience State Street, we have to look at it as how everyone does. And he referenced your mother in the wheelchair. And so that that tension was was there. If you saw it, you could see that happening. And it's a generational battle that is occurring and playing out. Can you talk a little bit about how you felt in that moment when 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 the commissioner said that? And and how important is it that we see this as not a this is not just a place for millennials and Gen Z, right? Which is essentially what she was saying. You know? mm-hmm. um, well, let's see. <laughs> um, I, we learn, oops, sorry about that. Um, we learn from everyone, right? We learn from everyone. And the, um, each, each generation brings something different. Each generation brings something different. And uh, so this is not surprising. Mm-hmm. It's, and it's good. Mm-hmm. It's good because there are different other ways of thinking of things. But we can also step in and say, well, okay, I hear you. Um, and I want to just also add to this discussion for consideration to add to the whole pile of stuff we're all thinking about is... Um, yeah, you have to realize you, you don't know where the brilliance can come from. It can come from anywhere. Yeah. And it, it, it and we, but we do have to be considerate of others. And this is a big thing that I have about our current situation. Yeah. I believe it has been very beneficial to some people. And, and they're very happy about that. But I think it has been very detrimental to others who have not felt the ability to step forward and speak about it. And so, you know, those are having a great time. You know, it's like being at a party and everybody's having a great time, except you're sitting in the corner all by yourself. 
You know, it's important to reach out and to understand other people's conditions. And I guess for me, being a gulp elder, um, you know, I can I can speak to that and um, just remind that we need to be sure is every because we only I, we only move as fast as the slowest guy. Mm-hmm. We have to all we're a community. We care about everybody in the community. And we have to come to consensus. That's why I like the Venn diagram. It's like, okay, I get that you like that. But here's here's another issue with that. Can we find a way to bring these two things together? Can we get everything that we want? I believe that we can through design. But I believe that it it, it means that we have to remember there's no stupid questions. There's no dumb idea. And just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. And we have to, you know, so we have to think about, you know, okay, well, what are these people? And what about the stormwater management? And what about this? You know, how can everybody maybe um, compromise a little bit and then get to something that will work for everyone? So I, I did not, you know, again, I appreciate um, um, Commissioner Wardlow and everyone else who was there who spoke. Um, but I think also, and I'll say this from, you know, Sometimes it's good to stop and step back and maybe step aside before moving forward. In fact, maybe sometimes it's essential. You can try to push and, you know, what, it, what, is, um, what does go back in time even mean? You know, we, we learn from our past and we imagine our future, but we take from nature, from our past experience, from all kinds of things are how, what we take into account. We take our past into account to be able to move forward in the most positive way in the future. Yes, well said. And it, it's those gulp elders who have <laughs> made Santa Barbara <laughs> preserved yes. it. Yes. So that it can be such an amazing and attractive place for, for everybody who, 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 everybody who wants to come here, who wants to live here, who wants to visit. And we know that it does take that long-term, long-range planning and studying of history to understand what direction we're going to go and how we're going to get there. And so right. I think it's not a it's not a characterization of something as being uh, negative when we talk about elders. It's actually a, a a sign of intelligence to say let's let's really think about what we've done and how can we continue to build build on that. Um, and I, I like how you talk about um, architecture and sort of the importance. And Anthony Grumbine on the the uh, HLC, he was really good. You know, he he talked about how it needs to be a place that's painted more than the courthouse one day. And he joked it, you know, has to be absolutely brilliant. And yeah. so it's a really, these meetings are so fun because as you addressed at the beginning, there's so much caring in that room and so much knowledge and when you get them all together, it's amazing. It's, it's it's beautiful, actually, to hear all of these minds talking about Santa Barbara. And think of how many communities don't have that kind of engagement. The generationally, though, remember Gabe Escobedo, the chair, and he's you know he's in his thirties or whatever. You know, he he actually had a revelation in there. He said, you know, I, I got pigeonholed into the idea of parklets, and I thought that was the only thing. And then he said, it's not there are other options so yes. even among the younger generation you see some uh 
ability to to change a perspective and to 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 change your mind after listening to to other people talk so so that was really really helpful to you uh if you could uh sort of just make it happen we have this master plan process going on it's taking a while the consultant is 700 and something thousand dollars to do all this work do you have a timeline here like how, how soon would you like to wrap this up if you could if you could sort of be the lead sole decision maker, when, when should we have our state street back? Oh goodness. Well, didn't they talk about that? They, I thought that was all stated in the, in the, in the cal in their calendar that they showed. And, isn't yeah. it, uh, I, and mean, I guess my, my question is, years. it feels it's like a, a long of years. time from now, you know, like, yeah. do you well, think we're going at the right pace? Can we do it sooner? Well, that is exactly my point about why we could, could we please people, please. Could we just, simply clean up state street right now just you know if we if we're going to agree to take to leave some seating in the street can it please just be like what we saw over at fresco can they just please take any kind of stuff away i'll come down and help i'll volunteer and you know can we um get the get the city maybe to offer some uh, you know, trucks to help take stuff, you know, can we just do this? And, and cause I think that even if we were to agree, we're going to let allow um, some seating in the street right now, just let's make it look pretty. Can we just make it just be simple outdoor furniture, cafe furniture and umbrellas and chains and pick your color, do some hire some great, brilliant, graphic artists and do some fantastic signage and sell yourself sell your brand but you know right now it just looks it doesn't look good and so could we just do that and we would solve our stormwater management we would solve our uh, equity issues we would you know it it would look better everything just like you know can we wouldn't have structural issues we wouldn't have plumbing you know uniform plumbing code violate you know all of this goes away, um, and then we can. Everybody, please dive into this master plan. I need your attention on the master plan. I don't want to talk about all this other stuff. Right. It look, you know, let's clean it up. Everybody's going to do better. Really, you could hire a designer for a couple of hours, and they probably could tell you what to do, or you could do it. You know, but Fresco is a great example. I'll just point to that. Yeah. I'm going around now trying to find, you know, the A plus. Uh, five-star people but (laughs) yeah no that's great let's shift gears a little bit you're a recent appointee to the HLC yeah um, I like watching those meetings and I like watching when you talk you're very quotable and you do explain the issues in a way that is relatable to a lay person somebody who's not an architect or you know a planner and so I really appreciate that can you talk to me a little bit about how it's going for you being on the HLC and what that experience is like as a, as opposed to, um, you know, being an architect and, and being involved, but being HLC is a lot of pressure there. What's it like for you? It, I, I really appreciate it. I am so honored to be on the board. I, I uh, have the greatest admiration for everybody who's on there and who gives of their time. Um, I have learned so much. I, I'm also a member of the trust for historic preservation. So I'm a real, you know, I really, this is 
something I believe very strongly in. This is our, this is who we are. This is our built environment. This is our El Pueblo Viejo. How lucky can we be? Um, so I really appreciate being on it. And, you know, I take the, I take the job very, very seriously um, that, you know, to protect, I've, I've got the, here's our little goals list. You know, there's a list of like 15 things you know, to encourage and protect integrity and character of El Pueblo Viejo, okay? So that's why we have to talk about this yeah. situation we have right now. Yeah. This is our job. So um, I do, uh, but, and then at the same time, I'm very aware, you know, I was very involved in the State Street Charette. I'm an architect. I understand the issue about housing and how important it is. How do we grow? How do we change? How do we get better? through design, through education, through community engagement to achieve what we, what we need to achieve in a way that still preserves the essence of who we are. And it's challenging, especially in some of these projects, you know, where you see, if you're going from one extreme to another, you know, like I say, if you were on State Street, okay, well then you have like maximum height that you could do, but you're constrained by the, the site. So, but you have, you don't have the same height issues and you can also build out to the setback, you know, to the property line. I mean, right. now when you start moving away, so you've got the high area of state street, right. And then you're fanning down to the neighborhoods because Santa Barbara is a town of a main, beautiful downtown public street surrounded by little neighborhoods so what happens how do we you know where do you make that transition we have lots of great examples of like accessory dwelling units we have um you know nice uh, you know apartment buildings that exist right now that are you know maybe eight units two stories something like that that model could you know pretty easily go up to three stories without a gigantic impact but also increasing. I, I always urge everyone to think in terms of all the tools and all of them help. You know, every, every little piece helps. It all adds up. So we, we don't need to, you know, I mean, I know it's sort of a knee-jerk reaction to say, oh, I'm going to build the biggest thing possible, you know, get a big lot, put a big thing and put, you know, bunch of units in there and check the box, right? Well, we, we, we need to be, um, you know, we need to use all the tools. Sometimes maybe a large one is, is really appropriate, you know, like we're going to get this one um, now. And, and there's some great examples too. Like we're going to see the one um, behind Staples is oh, yeah. I hope going to start being something we see pretty soon but that's you know that's an example and there's several other really nice ones um over there's the one of my favorites is the um monterey style one that was done by um the Cornell collective over on um uh, de la guerra right down from the um historical museum oh yeah mm -hmm. and and that one was a Great example, because there's a historic little Queen Anne building right next to it, which they work together with, and both of them came out better. So it's a really good example of inserting a large element into an area with sensitivity. They did a brilliant job. Yeah, I wanted so, to ask you, one of the recent projects before HLC where you had some comments was, I think it's a 
where the Jiffy Lube is, is that uh, Carrillo and Delavina. Yeah. And it is a big building. Uh, it was right out to the sidewalk. And I think you talked about how, you know, there was no name that they had presented. It was not really a, a real strong presentation about the how it would feel if you live there. Uh, there was not a whole lot of connection and it just sort of felt very boxy. And uh, it may have been a concept review. I don't remember. Yeah, it was. It uh, was. Obviously, they're not too defined there. But still, you want to go in there with as much as you can to say this is sort of the vision of it. Uh, can we talk about that project? I, I think it was sort of like just it was big and it was to the sidewalk and it was very uh, just boxy. And I think you talked about we need some some poetry here we need some connection we need some engagement and we, we need some a little bit more of a design i think you said sell it to us Tell yes us why it works yes yeah make me love it make yeah. me say yes you know that was great <laughs> yeah no that's really true because you know our how it how it is is that you know the the zoning and the the ordinances um define the maximum envelope okay that just like when you're on the freeway and it says 65 miles per hour, that is maximum. That does not mean that you are required to go that speed or you'll get a ticket. Yeah. You can go slower. Yeah. Okay. That's just the maximum. You can't go faster. Okay. So it's like that. So the, so, so the zoning, it all defines, okay, this is maximum. Well, now you have to go to HLC and you should even before you say, okay, well, this is my maximum, but how am I going to um, respond to everything around me? I mean, bottom line, don't we want everybody to come up? We want, we want everybody to be good, you know? So, so you got to see, well, okay, I've got this little, little historic uh, building right next to me. That's adorable. That's only one and a half or two stories. And then right next to me, I've got, and then I've got this other thing over here and sort of the vibe of this neighborhood is kind of this, I mean, it was a jiffy lube. So I think we can, you know, make it a little bit more, <laughs> we've got some <laughs> options. Um, but then from that, you know, like walking the neighborhood, feeling it, getting the, getting the vibe and like, where would this want to go and how could this be a positive um, um, insertion so then you start carving away at it to make it respond to these other things. And then, and, and, the, and then it needs to have some kind of a, you know, an attitude, right? you know, and, and we have so many, um, I mean, look at all of our fabulous uh, historical and we have so many also, you know, that maybe, maybe uh, prod, uh, buildings that are, um, more recent but you know will be probably on the on the list for historic at some point because they're so beautiful and so well done so we we just have this long history of design excellence so i think there's a lot of room to move and i think there's a lot of things you can do and i think this is it this is what being an architect's all about i mean i'm just like itchy all the time to do this kind of stuff you know how do you solve the the Rubik's cube, how do you put all this stuff together and come, you know, including mechanical, electrical, structural, drainage, blah, 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 everything 
and come up with something that inspires you or that goes like, oh, I just love that building. Have you ever seen that building over there? You know, isn't that just the prettiest thing? You know, like that. Yeah, Yeah, well said. Let's talk a little about you, Cass, uh, and and your background. And, you know, you're an architect and you've been invested in this community. But can you help me and our audience understand uh how'd you get into architecture and you know where'd you grow up just a little bit of your backstory well just okay just very um i um i'm an air force brat my father was a pilot Mm. so we moved a lot we lived on the i was born on the east coast but i've been exposed to a lot of i i I came out an artist so i'm an artist right that's it Mm -hmm. and i um but i didn't become an architect until later, I came to Colorado. I, I worked in, um, I went to school in Fort Collins, Colorado, BFA, fine art. And then I lived in Denver and I worked for an amazing, amazing architectural firm. And because I also studied interior design. Mm-hmm. And I did some, one amazing uh, renovation, restoration of a US district courtroom oh. that was one of the most amazing experiences that I ever had uh, working in architecture and understanding the power that architecture has over influencing people's behavior. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Then anyway, I came to, um, I ended up in Santa Barbara and I was, had the great experience and fortune to work for design arc. One of, one of the best firms in our town Um, and just had a, I worked, did work for the um, fashion Institute of design and merchandising down in Los Angeles. And I did work a lot of work out at UCSB, some uh, dormitory renovations and, and that sort of thing. Um, And then we, my husband who he had worked uh, he's an architect also, and he had worked for Warner and gray the firm and done a lot of country club work all over the place in California. And um, so once I, I, Oh, I forgot. I, because I had worked for architects, I qualified to take the licensing exam. So I did. And then I passed the licensing exam. And at that point is when Tom and I started our business, which is Ensberg Jacobs design. And that was in 96. And then you know, life goes on. I'm very involved. I started the Kids Draw Architecture Program way back then, like 33 years ago, mm-hmm. as a way to um, in, instruct and um, expose children to great architecture. We sketch every year and we make a calendar. Here's the calendar. Oops. Oh, cool. Oh, we wow. make this calendar every year and we do sketch sessions uh with in person with architects and kids at important public buildings always important public buildings so that they see the power why why santa barbara is different from everywhere else and the power that that architecture that the pride the community spirit like the courthouse you know that does that that expresses that so um, I started Kids Raw Architecture. Um, I've always, you know, I am an artist also. And I do all kinds of, um, I do all kinds of art. Um, and um, yeah, and then I'm really involved in the AIA. I'm involved in the Trust for Historic Preservation. I've been involved with advocacy, trying to help educate, show ideas. One thing, architects, what architects do, we 
show ideas. And then we listen to you. You tell us, okay, this is what we're thinking. We show you, okay, there's this, 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 and this. And that's what we did in the charrette. Now what we need to do is to guide the discussion of all those ideas to come up with the best solution. Like, okay, this works about this one. This works about this one. Put those together and make it work. So that's what architects do. We don't have so much of an opinion about things except for to steer things in the, in the direction that has been established, you know, like HLC. I mean, you have to believe in what you're, what you're doing, but. Do you, do you recall? Yeah, that, that, that's a great way to put it. That's makes a lot of sense. Do you recall the first time in Santa Barbara and, and what, your impression was of yes yes like one of my the well you know how in life you kind of remember one particular thing i remember coming into town on um uh, is it santa barbara street and stopping at the old um our daily bread oh yeah okay that's i pulled off there you know i just came up and i saw the place and i went in there and they had this incredible art in there um, and, and I, it was just like the most wonderful little coffee shop. And I had a coffee and I'm like, wow, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> and also, you know, the, the courthouse, you know, the, just seeing these different places, um, be, having those, but that was one of my first experiences was just our daily bread, right? you know, yeah, a cool was- local coffee shop. And this is the thing about Santa Barbara is, we, we talk about the big buildings, we talk about the courthouse and this, this great architecture that we see, but really what's so fun about Santa Barbara is when you're walking it and you just kind of notice a little bit of space that you never noticed before and it, that, that architecture of the building is unique and you're like, wow, I can't believe this exists here. And then you walk three blocks and you see something else like that and then you just kind of marvel at wonder how that was designed and how that was created. And there's so many of those little spaces around town that you don't see while you're driving. You sort of have to walk it and be at eye level. And yeah, there's places all over Santa Barbara street. And if you walk on state street and you just sort of look at what, what's up with this, this stairwell and why is this, you know, curve up to these attorney's offices and why are we have some setback here and not others. And it's, it's really so, so, Amazing if you walk it. And I think that kind of ties back to the whole outdoor dining on State Street. You don't see all that if you're in the street. You're just sort of saying, how can I get by here without getting hit by a skateboarder or a bike or something? Um, I, w- I wanted to um, real quickly ask you about Deli Girl Plaza and uh, the splash pads. <laughs> um, that's HLC, right? That's a different sort of thing. Um, and I know uh, you don't have to go too deep because we don't have much time left, but um, that's kind of another thing going on here, right? It's like, what's going to happen with Delaware Plaza? Do you have any thoughts on the water feature? They've, they've <laughs> rebranded it a whole bunch of times to make it more palatable to HLC. <laughs> uh, but um, you sort of see anything there? Like, do you like that? Do you see a confluence of all these different things coming together in Delaware Plaza? Or is it a, let's make it a historic space. Let's put I'm that. kind of a classicist, you know? I'm like the, uh, you know, the little black dress and the one pair of earrings, you know, keep it simple, keep it elegant, keep it beautiful. I think there's places for things and there's places for things. 
I think that De La Guerra Plaza is our formal public plaza and it should be designed to be flexible for all the things that happen there. Yeah. You know, like Fiesta, hopefully we haven't deleted that. Um, you know, I want the parades back on State Street. Yeah. I mentioned that the other day. I feel like that's very important. And I think De La Guerra Plaza is, should be a formal plaza. I, I don't think that the splash pad makes sense there. I have grandchildren, you know, just because I'm older doesn't mean I don't have young kids. I have young kids. I have two granddaughters. I would, you know, I wish we would put the um, little, I would get somebody to do a fabulous design, like through a design competition. This is another thing I've been pushing. We'll have to talk another time, but um, you know, to like the, uh, the little waiting pool over at Los Banos that yeah. is not there right now, because I guess it ha it's just has fences around it. I think there's some big plans for it, but you know, to me, that little pool is just the cutest darn thing ever. And um, I guess maybe it has some uh, plumbing problems or something. But if it could just be simply fixed and you would tile the whole thing with a fantastic mosaic, um, it would be that's it. There you go. You take your little kid down there. I mean, there are other places we already have that are appropriate for that activity. I don't think you know i don't want to be bringing my beach towels and everything else with the kid running through some splash pad i think you could have you know like in europe if you you know the oftentimes we'll have these big monumental um you know fountains and uh that have usually a wall around them so there's something visual to look at whether they have water in them or not yeah. but they're a beautiful sculptural piece this splash pad, you know, they've tried to make it do everything like disappear, but not disappear. You know, look, if we're going to have it, have it, right. you know, put it's in a fountain, high, it's real low. put yeah. in, put in a beautiful sculpture of a horse with, you know, the water and dolphins and stuff coming out, whatever, but make it classic and make it fit with the plaza. To me, that's the formal living room. It's not the pl backyard playground. Right. Yeah, Let's say it right. that way. But I, no, no, you know, right. I, I think that's what's important is like, that's why I said, as far as the master plan, we got to look at the whole city because you can't, you, you know, look at what's happened in the funk zone and how that has, um, you know, shifted things as far as State Street, right. which then kind of goes back to what I was saying before about making that middle section more quiet, allowing it. Don't try to compete with the funk zone, make it right. different than the funk zone, yeah. you know, but, but understand what the funk zone is and what milpas is and how do we you know work together to i mean downtown is el pueblo viejo for goodness sake what more do you need than that <laughs> so you know let work on all of the areas to kind of enhance and develop um you know those areas uh to make them even be better than they are right now yeah well said and uh hal conklin you know he was talking about that too for several years uh the late hal conklin about what you mentioned which was the arts district and having state street broken up into different sections which it kind of is now but let's why not just go all in and formalize that and make it brandable and marketable and people know this is the part that i'm in and i'm gonna enjoy yeah. it and go with the flow Go with the flow of what it is, you know? I mean, each one of those has a very strong, great personality. You know, the Presidio, 
the, um, you know, with the Libero. I mean, all of them are awesome. They're just awesome. Oh, could I also say, I don't know if you met, if you saw it, but it might be helpful for people. Um, uh, Nicole Hernandez, who's the city historian, and then Anthony Grumbine, you know, architect and chair of HLC, and I um, put together this little program about the historic resource guidelines that are available. Um, and it was through the Trust for Historic Preservation. So there is a link on their website where you can watch that. Okay. And in the, my part of it was to be the cheerleader. So I had, I just put together like 20 slides and just packed them full with all this eye candy of beautiful Santa Barbara. All oh, these wow. things, like many things you're ta- you were talking about, like the stair, just mm-hmm. all this stuff, that, just to remind everybody of who we are and how beautiful we are. We just need to do some spring cleaning. Okay. So let's just, you know, do it. Great. Well, well, Cass, one of the things I've always loved about journalism is having the opportunity to meet new people and talk to people who are experts in their field. And it makes me feel a little bit more uh, smarter about these issues. And then I can share them with an audience. And that's totally exemplified with this this conversation. So I really appreciate you taking the time to share mm-hmm. your knowledge and your expertise and perspective on these issues that we all care about and doing it in such a thoughtful way. So so thank you for your time. And I look forward to watching HLC meetings and, and seeing what you have to say down the road. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been a, It's been a pleasure. Thank you. All right. Thank you.